and welcome to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back to preview game week 10. Boy, is this season going quickly. My name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined as ever by the Thanksgiving turkey to my vegan nut roast. It's Andy Case. Andy, how are you doing? Happy Thanksgiving. I know that uh, I'm sure we've got millions and millions of, of American listeners, so happy Thanksgiving to them as well. But um, it's it's kind of you know interesting for us. We were planning to spend it together and watch a bit of American football, but um, unfortunately, coronavirus lockdown persists. Um, but are you enjoying it anyway? I mean, enjoying would be a strong word, I suppose, but um, I, I can't complain too much. Uh, well, at least we will. It sounds like from the places where both you and I live, Chris, without giving too much away, that we will not be in the strictest of uh, lockdown conditions come, uh, you know, when we go back into the tier system. So got feeling thankful for that, I suppose, and also feeling relieved because you told me before the show that your intro was going to be slightly controversial and that had me wondering what on earth it was going to be. And it wasn't too bad, to be fair. I, I was I was I was worried, but now I'm relieved. Yeah, I mean, to be to be totally honest, it, it, you know, it doesn't it hasn't really worked particularly well because I did ultimately end up calling you a turkey, which is somewhat something of an insult. But ultimately mm. on Thanksgiving, that's the centerpiece. That's the main event. And, you know, you are the main event in, in, in my life and on this podcast. So, um, so, so you know, I, I think it has worked. And, but obviously, I have ended up slighting uh, the vegan community. And, and, and the last time I did see Andy, I will just point this out. He made me a very nice uh, vegan meal. So, um, so, yeah, you know, eat less meat. We, we all know it's good for, good for, the, good for the environment. Uh, but on, on Thanksgiving, you know, for me, turkey, underrated meat. I feel like we should eat it more. Lean, it's quite lean. Um, I don't know what where it comes to in terms of farming. Probably not well, particularly great, but well, I imagine it, it takes up a lot of space. I mean, environment issues aside, from my point of view, one, like most of them come from Norfolk, so that's a downside straight away for them. And two, it tastes less good than chicken and is often much more expensive, particularly around Christmas and Thanksgiving, because like they pump up the prices, supply and demand. You know, don't say you just get FPL tips on this uh, on this podcast. You get simple, basic economics as well. So, yeah, uh, why why pay more for something that tastes less good? Um, I have chicken on Christmas Day. Do do you now? Yeah. I mean, we should save that for for the Christmas podcast, but, <laughs> in which you know, obviously our, our plans for for festive football um, aren't quite laid out yet. But 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 yeah, that's that's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, we are really going down a rabbit hole here, and especially to keep these pods these pods quite quite short but i once my first job i worked um on on what was essentially a cattle market but at christmas um we, you know, we sold turkeys and we sold geese and we sold um you know, some of the other other birds that that, that, that you might have uh, as your main on on christmas day and when i walked in like it was like an auction house but for poultry and when we when i walked into this to this room there was just thousands of dead birds with their, I mean, it's quite quite a graphic image. So apologies in advance, but but yeah, like some of their heads were in bags with the blood hanging out, and I just, it just wasn't what I expected. Um, but you know, it makes you grateful for any employment you have thereafter. Yeah, I suppose so, and it probably prepared you well for the rest of your life, Chris. Well, didn't it? Because it wouldn't be the first time you've been found around a load of dead birds. But anyway, let's get on with the football. Yeah, I don't really know what that was implying, but um, I will be consulting with my lawyers after the show um anyway as Andy said let's crack on with the football obviously in our preview shows beyond talking about 
um, what, what various meets we'll have for Thanksgiving and, and for Christmas. We will run down the, the, the FPL fixtures for the weekend. We'll have a, a quick chat about some of the week's talking points. Uh, we've got a few players on the radar, but not too many this week. Um, we're going to do a stats versus eye test rather than the swimming against the tide. And then we'll finish off with captaincy and who the heck is stat. Uh, so without further ado, let's run down the fixtures from game week 10. We start on Friday night, which means that your FPL deadline is 6.30 on Friday the 27th. And the evening game is Palace-Newcastle. Then on Saturday, Brighton-Liverpool, followed by Man City-Burnley, then Everton-Leeds, and then West Brom-Sheffield United. Then there's three games on Sunday. Southampton versus Man United. Chelsea versus Spurs, which I think is that first versus second at the moment. So a big one there on Sunday. Arsenal versus Wolves. And then Monday is Leicester versus Fulham and West Ham versus Aston Villa. So, Andy, we have noticed a bit, a bit of a trend. Um, I think at the start of the season, you know, we were, we were very much enjoying um, goals, goals galore in the Premier League. But defence is starting to, to, to get on top. And, and I think in the last game week, um, we had eight clean sheets. That's the most uh, this season. Um, the second most was seven, and that was the week before. So are defences starting to get good? And what implications does that have, do you think, for, for FPL managers thinking going forward? Yeah, so, I mean, it's something I haven't really been thinking about when I've been watching games. So I haven't got so much of an opinion on, as an eye test on this, you know. I'd, maybe it's something I'll look out for over the next over the games this weekend to sort of see, try and sort of make a judgment about how sort of if it looks like defenses are kind of playing a bit better. But with all these sort of, I, I know we noticed that stats sort of earlier that there was more clean shit than than any other. Um, and the, the the next closest was last game week. Yeah, it does it does sort of get you thinking. And, and actually now when you start to put the pieces together, I've heard managers in press conferences talk about players being back up. They think sort of back up to full speed now. And you know it's taken them a while to get in their stride from the sort of shortened preseason and like big bunched up sort of games uh, sort of schedule that they've had to this point so far. So it it would seem like, and it could all just be bluster from. Uh, you know, managers in their press conferences, but they're saying at least that they've, you know, they feel like they're getting their teams more settled, more organised. Um, and when everyone's kind of is more match fit, it does bring more structure and more discipline to the to the squad. When you're when you're playing the same eleven, you know, play, teams managers starting to settle on their first choice players now. Um, it's all settled down from like transfer windows and fitness problems and whatever. So that would kind of make sense, like logically. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this carries on going forward, but it seems like defenders could be worth thinking about. Yeah, I guess, I guess also, you know, there, there, there is, there are nine matches now for, for managers to, to look back on um, when they are, you know, doing all of their analysis and all their prep um, before, before a Saturday fixture or before a weekend fixture, I should say. Um, so, so yeah, I guess um, perhaps in preseason, uh, I don't know, you know, not, not worked at a pro football club, but um, I'm guessing, you know, attacking shape is perhaps something that, 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 that managers work on a, perhaps a bit more in preseason. And then come, um, you know, come week in, week out, you're probably looking to stop the opposition or at least exploit some of their weaknesses going forward, but, but stop the opposition. And I guess now we've got nine weeks of watching um, these oppositions, then perhaps it's, it's, it's easier to sort of, you know, know what their strengths going forward are and, and, and combat them at, at the back um i mean do you think this will have a, a big impact on fpl managers do, like i think you know something that we've said is that we earlier in the season we were finding five million pound defenders a bit pricey um do you think that there is an argument now not maybe to load up with with, with five million plus 
you know in inverted commas premium defenders but but is that you know are we going to start seeing managers maybe moving funds into their back five rather than um you know in in, in their strikers and their midfielders I mean, it'll be interesting to see whether it affects the money people spend on defenders. I'm not sure because the more expensive ones were always the ones that could give you probably attacking returns as well anyway. So were probably the ones that were likely to get more points even when there weren't clean sheets floating about. I wonder though if if it will see people moving their money around towards defenders from teams who are starting to build up a trend of keeping clean sheets. We've obviously mentioned Chelsea and other preview pods and I think we'll mention a few today as well um, but there, there might you know it's starting to perhaps be other teams like the, I I had people in my mini leagues there was a few people with like Arsenal and Leeds defenders for example this week which I have never really crossed my mind to, to go for but ca- caused me some problems in some mini leagues this week because obviously you know those two teams playing out a nil nil and so as as you start you know Burnley had quite a few injuries traditionally quite a good team defensively had a few injuries at the start of the season now got their first choice back four back although it sounds like Pope could potentially be out but you know if they do have their first choice um, defense back you know are they someone that you can rely on against so it's more about like the, the the types of defender rather than maybe maybe focusing all on the expensive ones that it will be ones from teams that start to have this consistency with the clean sheet it'll be interesting to see yeah I guess there hasn't been yet this season um, you know a, a Burnley in the sense that you know some of their defenders are going to be fairly cheap and they're pretty reliable clean sheet options and, and that hasn't really come to the fore. I mean, Sheffield United were another example last year. Um, you know, they're definitely not um in in that bracket this season and neither really are, are Burnley as yet anyway. So so yeah, I think that could be an interest an interesting thing um to explore. That said, um let's move on to our players on the radar and let's focus on some of these slightly more expensive defenders and and I think in one case um probably one of the more defense, expensive defenders in the game. Um let's start then with with Chelsea. We've we've highlighted their attacking players before and we've given the brief mention to their defenders but just in the sense that um, you know, almost their whole team are, are viable FPL assets. But let's focus a little bit, perhaps, on on Rhys James, um, Ben Chilwell and Kurt Zuma. I guess Rhys James is a guy that I think we def- definitely did highlight at the start of the season and then fell out of favour with us a little bit because he was a bit of a rotation risk. Doesn't seem that way anymore. So so maybe start with him and he's, he's the cheapest of the four. Oh, sorry, of the three. Um, so so is, you know, is he worth worth a punt for FPL managers now? Yeah, so, I mean, I think we said it at the time, but Reese James never really came off the radar because of ability. Um, it, it, we, it was just, it, it's, as it's turned out, he's actually now started, um, I think, set something like seven of the nine games or something, for, or, or, or six or nine games or something for Chelsea this season. So in the Premier League, at least. So actually, over the course of the season, it hasn't actually been that much of a problem, but it, it the the first three games he started, there were some like injury problems with Aspilicueta. Aspilicueta came back, and then Reese James didn't start either of the next two games. So you you thought maybe that was an indication that he was perhaps first choice, and Aspilicueta is also club captain, so that would have made sense. But then that's four consecutive starts now. He's played the full ninety minutes for Reese James in in the league, um, and almost him being rested in the Champions League in in midweek is is another good sign for him for the Premier League um, because it it was a sort of easier game for Chelsea. They've built up plenty of points um, in the Champions League already. So I imagine Lampard's prioritising league games in that sense because they had a, you know, this was one of three opportunities they had to get points to get through in the Champions League. So maybe not quite as, as important. So I think, I think, 
the question marks around his starts have moved away quite significantly. I mean, Lampard, as we've mentioned, has been a bit of a doing his version of Pep Roulette this season. So we could say all this clowns when Aspilicueta starts again this weekend, but it looks like those question marks about whether he would start in the league have gone away. And so then that would mean he's back on the radar because of the ability that we spoke about at the start of the season and the form he's shown and generally the form Chelsea have shown, obviously, as a defensive unit. Um, so, yeah, an option. I mean, he's he's a guy that I think at the start of the season you you flagged to me as a guy whose crossing is 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 excellent, and I, I hadn't seen a lot of him. I, I must admit, and I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure his crossing's all right, but you know, he's probably no no Trent. And then you you watch him play, and like you know, to quote Lance Money Lewis, he he whips it real good. Like he is uh he like his crossing is as good as you know is as good as Trent Alexander Arnold. So um so, so so yeah, I think um I think he is definitely definitely an option um i guess let's move on to one of the others kurt zuma i mean i guess ultimately with all of these like the clean sheet potential is the same so i guess we're coming down on the price and their attacking potential with zuma he's a little bit more expensive 5.4 at the moment um you know while we're here let's let's talk about his central defensive partner in tiago silva who i believe is 5.5 um i think zuma's got three goals already this year uh, I think Thiago's got one. That would point you towards Zuma, but but they're both going forward for corners. Chelsea's delivery does look pretty impressive from set pieces. So, I mean, I guess they're equally good, good options. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think the thing is, it, although it hasn't manifested itself quite yet with Rhys James and his assists, um, you'd think Rhys James has better attacking potential because he has that assist potential whereas Zuma you're mainly looking for goals from set pieces and although he has done very well he's scored three I think they've all been headers this season um three goals certainly and I th- like I say I think they've all been headers and he does look a threat to be fair at most Chelsea corners um can you rely on him always um get get getting headed goals I mean to be fair Chelsea have a record of it players like um Obviously, John Terry was good for it um, when when he was playing as Chelsea centre back, and so so you never know. But for me, given that Zuma's more expensive, um, and you'd think generally over the course of the season, Reese James might have a slightly better, um, you know, potential for for attacking returns. And I'd maybe lean towards him. And I think it's worth saying here as well: we're not saying all of these Chelsea players that you've mentioned, obviously Thiago Silva, Zuma, and Reese. We're not saying they're all on the radar. We're saying these are the the Chelsea options we'd think about maybe and um we'd we'd, we'd have one of them like I say I'd, I'd lean towards Reese James in in our teams yeah yeah I think that makes sense and obviously you know if, if Zuma's record so far this season is to, is to, is to carry on then he's going to end up with what 12 goals this season I mean I think that's unlikely um but 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 I guess you never know. Um, I guess a quick word on Chilwell, because without bearing the lead, we might end up talking about him him a bit later. Um, i put it quite simply, Andy, at 6.1, is he a bit expensive for you? Yeah, so this is going to be an interesting one. We are going to talk about him a bit later, like you say. And um, I think there'll be a lot of people out there being surprised why he isn't the one of on, that's on our radar. So you will find out why he's not later. But um, 
I think it's just, yeah, for me at least, that price. He's got in a lot of people's teams this week um, and he has um, had some attacking returns this year and looked decent since he's come into the team. So I can understand that he's obviously got the same um, clean sheet potential as the other Chelsea players, but he is quite that step up um, in price, you know, more than the, than his, uh, at least at the moment he is, than his, um, than his teammates. So that's the thing that would slightly less, you know, have him on the radar for me. Let's talk then about Jao Cancelo at Man City. Uh, five and a half million. Um, he seems to be quite buzzy on FPL Twitter this week as, as a guy that, that lots of people um, seem, to be, seem to be getting in. Um, I do remember last time I watched, I watched City, uh, my flatmate sort of said, I don't really understand what he does and what he brings. Left back has been a bit of a bit of a problem area for, for, for Man City over the last few years um, I don't, not really since since Benjamin Mendy was um, you know was was playing lights out before he he suffered you know, one of his several injuries um, have, have they really had anything settled there uh, 5.5 million again for me feels a bit expensive but is he a guy that that, that, that is worth it I think there are maybe some stats to, to, to say that he probably is well, I think that's why he's jumped out to us this week. It's unlike us. I mean, a little peek behind the curtain, a lot of our players that end up on the radar. There is some stats and some thinking about it. We do look into the stats, obviously, but it's mainly from because between us, we watch quite a lot of the games. And so it's kind of players that initially pop up on our radar because of something we see. And then we check the stats to kind of confirm it. That's our general way of working I'd say correct me if you think differently Chris but but with this way round it was almost it was almost the opposite well this is one example where it, he really jumped out of the page of us stats wise um we were we were sort of looking at defenders and their sort of creativity when we were thinking about the Reese James thing and over the last four game weeks Jao Cancelo is just miles and you know head and shoulders above any other defender for sort of attacking potential he's had um, 12 he's created 12 chances over the last four game weeks which is you know the next one of, below him is seven so way way above um the, uh, any anyone else defensively over the last four game weeks in that sense obviously this is similar the expected assists but um he's way again way ahead 1.43 expected assists so telling you that kind of the quality of chances being created is pretty good as well and when city aren't necessarily looking their most creative this season so it's not like they're creating chances from all over the place like they have in previous years that's quite key because it means if city are going to score goals then Cancelo seems to be involved in in a lot of it so that's what's making him stand out for us, I think. And, and I understand what you're saying about the 5.5 million, but City have got an, another thing that obviously often comes into our thinking, and we've said this a lot of times on players on the radar, but it's the fixtures coming up. I think, you know, City's um, next five in particular were um, some of the easiest in the league, second or third easiest on paper fixtures in, in the league. You've got Burnley, Fulham, West Brom, Man United and Southampton in the next five. So... Yeah, for all those reasons, uh, and if teams are starting to, you know, get a bit more organised, as we spoke about earlier, then City, although they haven't been great for a clean sheet necessarily so far this season, um, it, yeah, if if they can if they can start to have a fixed at least back five, which it looks like they might do now, maybe that that's another reason why Cancelo could get you points. Yeah, it feels it feels a little bit of a reach for me, but but I I know you know he is on the radar because I just I think I'd like to. Maybe spend a bit more time watching City and see see what he brings. Um, let's let, let's chat then about one striker uh, on our on our radar. Uh, I think this is a guy that that you're looking to get into to your team this this week. A guy that we've spoken about before on our radar, but this really does feel like 
the week for him because hashtag always target Fulham. Jamie Vardy, uh, I mean, not a lot to say on him, really. Um, but again, he's a guy that, in, t- you know, in terms of his ability, we know what he brings to the table. Um, but again, similar to Cancelo with his fixtures, Jamie Vardy's upcoming fixtures beyond Fulham also look pretty tasty. Yes, yeah, so um, saw uh, there's an interesting stat that uh, Leicester's next four fixtures, the teams, the four teams they're playing, they've kept four clean sheets between them all season so far. So that, that I think it's Fulham have kept one, Sheffield United haven't kept any, Brighton have kept two, and Everton have kept one. That's Leicester's next four fixtures. So. Um, yes, very appealing for, for Vardy coming up. Never mind the fact that Vardy, I think, is the highest for XG so far this season. He's on penalties for Leicester. So, you know, with all this talk we've had about plenty of penalties getting given, he's going to be the guy that's going to take them. They're at home. You know, Fulham, by all kinds of different measures, are the weakest, if not one, you know, one of the weakest um, defences in the league. So it's just uh, that he was on the radar for us last week, but Liverpool away, you know, even though their defence was in a little bit um, kind of had had a few sort of players missing, you can understand why people might have been a bit more hesitant last week. But I think now it has to be all systems go, I think, Jamie Vardy. Yeah, I think he was on our radar last week because of the upcoming fixtures. And I think we did mention, you know, maybe not this week if you don't, if, you know, if you're not sure because, because of Liverpool, he didn't return. So, um, so yeah, fair play, I guess. I guess we're just, you know, waiting with, with bated breath to make sure that he gets through Leicester's Europa League a game which we we're recording in the middle of, but 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 beyond that, yeah, I think uh, yeah, it l- looks to be nailed on um, for for some healthy returns over the next over the next few weeks. But but I hope I haven't just given him um, the kiss of death. Let's take a quick break then there, and uh, and when we return, we will talk about uh, a player that you know, one of us uh, one one of the things with our eyes that he's not too bad, but the stats don't really back it up. Welcome to the FPL Lounge. Our preview show will always be out in advance of the game week deadline, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods. That way, you'll definitely have it in time to make some tweaks to your team. If you can rate or review us too, that would be great, as we're really keen to know what people think. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back. So let's put this very simply, and we did kind of allude to this uh, in our players on the radar section. Um, I'm looking to fix my defence in my team. I don't have a defender that is over 5 million, and one of them is suspended, and none of them are particularly returning very much for me. So Ben Chilwell seemed, on the face of it, and from what I've seen of Chelsea, to be a fairly good option. I he he plays very high up the pitch. We've had a look at uh, his heat map, and 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 he does push up fairly high. Um, at the start of the season, I felt that he was a guy that I was looking to potentially get in because he was taking corners and for his assist potential. Um, since then, um, especially when 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 Ziyech seems to take take corners, he has you know got a few goals coming sneaking in at the back post. Um, when balls have been recycled, he looks like you know. A threat, and obviously he also has clean sheet potential. But as, as we mentioned uh, at the top of the show, so do all Chelsea defenders. Um, he is a little bit expensive. So Andy, do the stats back up what I'm seeing with my baby blues? Well, 
I don't think they particularly do. No. So this, this, as as Chris says, is is stats versus eye test returning here. I can I can understand what what you're saying to be honest here, Chris. And actually, before we looked into the stats, um, I, I you know my eye test was kind of almost saying he was looking good as well. All the things you said looked like he was going forward. I was surprised how often he's had touches in the box. And you mentioned about how, um, you know you. you you'd seen him kind of being going up for corners quite a bit, which I, I hadn't realized, but just from watching it, I, yeah, I was surprised how much he was getting touches in and around the box. So I thought that was interesting. And my eye test might have sort of fooled me into that same thinking that, you, that you're describing there. However, when you do look at the stats, I'd say maybe his returns, particularly his attacking, attacking returns have been pumped up by, he, he got a golden assist in his first game in his debut. And that's half of his attacking returns this season you know, in that one game. Um, in, his, in the last four game weeks, so, um, you know, kind of the, the last week and a bit before the, the international break, he, he has um, just the one attacking return. It's one, one goal and no assists in that time. Um, so although he has been, he hasn't blanked in any of those weeks because he's, in the week he didn't get a goal, uh, sorry, in the week he got a goal was when Chelsea didn't have their clean sheet. And in all the other weeks when he hasn't had a goal or an assist, they have at least had a clean sheet. So it's kind of gone under the radar, I think, that a bit, that just because of the fact he hasn't blanked, uh, that the, the underlying numbers actually, like I say, no assists in that in that time. Um, his expected assists as well would back up that that isn't an accident. It's only 0. expected assists in the last four game weeks for Chelsea and for, for Ben Chilwell and that compares to like we're talking about Reese James is a whole million pounds cheaper and he actual his expected assist is actually higher than Ben Chilwell's the last four game weeks obviously comparing to Yao Cancelo as well that we mentioned um, on the radar obviously different team but 1.43 uh, expected assists over the last four game weeks so significantly more like five times as much as as um as Chilwell and he's 0.6 million cheaper and City have got that good run of fixtures coming up like we said so I think there's options there to make me think well if I'm set on Chelsea there's other Chelsea defenders that could get me into that sort of clean sheet um uh you know if to pick up the clean sheet points for Chelsea if it's it's, it's Chelsea that I'm set on Reese James arguably gives you uh you know the stats would tell you give you an equal opportunity for assists um, and then if you're willing to consider outside Chelsea, there's certainly like Yao Can Jao Cancelo as at least one option of someone who's cheaper with significantly better um, underlying stats. I think it's I think this this is particularly interesting as well. You know, as, as I said at, at the top of this segment that, you know, I'm I don't own a, a, a premium defender, really. Um, but those players that do own uh, Lucas Dean. Like, like, you know, now that the news that he's out for 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 two months potentially, um, you know, presumably people will be looking for a replacement, and and I would guess that Chilwell, considering he's the same price, he's going to look like a bit of a bit of a like for like swap, um, you know, and we know that that both of them are are good going forward, but but yeah, I I, I have to say, doing this segment opens your eyes a little bit, um, you know, opens the eye test somewhat, um. To, to, to some of the, the, the underlying numbers, and, and although you know Chilwell does look good going forwards, and 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 he is very advanced on the pitch, um, the last four game weeks haven't haven't really, um, you know, the, the stats don't really back that up. So so yeah, there, there does seem to be considerably better value options. And I have to say, until we started exploring it in this segment, um, you know, I'm now starting to starting to think, oh, you know, maybe there is a, a better defender that I can go go to this this week, keeper. Uh, you know, keep some of some of my funds back, um, and maybe redistribute them elsewhere. Is there anything else, more to say on on, on this, Andy? 
Well, I guess the only thing, other thing I'd say, and without contradicting our players on the radar a little bit here, because obviously this would apply to any Chelsea defender, but the other thing I would say, I suppose, as, as well, is that um, you know Chelsea's next three games are Tottenham, Leeds and Everton, who are all teams who have created chances and have a relatively high XG this season. So, again, other other things that might suggest... Um, Chilwell could could be up for a up for a um a blank sometime soon. I guess maybe that that points a little bit more towards towards Cancelo perhaps, but but yeah um yeah inter- interesting numbers and I have to say you know from a personal point of view glad glad we did the, this segment because yeah on yeah from what I've seen with my eyes uh, Chilwell looked like not a must have but but definitely leaning towards towards a guy that that, that I was definitely looking to get in um despite his price. Um, where, 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 whereas I think I think the stats lead to the fact that he's maybe one to avoid because of his price and, and, and his subsequent value. Let's move on uh, and let's talk about captaincy in game week ten. Um, unlike most weeks, we've narrowed this down to what we see as really only four kind of realistic options. Um, I mean, maybe maybe you'll disagree with me, but I, you know I think there are definitely four standouts. Um, so let's run through them in the order that we have on our wonderfully pre-prepared sheet. Um, let's start then with maybe the, one of the ones that, that has perhaps the most risk, um, and that's Mo Salah versus Brighton. Um, obviously, this is his first Premier League game back, um, having tested positive for coronavirus, but he did play uh, in the Champions League in midweek. Um, you know, as you as I think you said earlier, Brighton not kept a lot of clean sheets this year. Um, you know, Salah could have an absolute field day against against his team, right? Well, maybe. I think I would I would disagree with you that there's four. You obviously we've listed four here. We're going to go through, but I, I would argue there's one standout option this week, and um, Salah is not that person. He's in the mix of there's three or arguably four or maybe even five. You know, others that we haven't aren't going to mention it perhaps that of players who um, could be decent shouts, but we, there are a few question marks over. So, yeah, if Salah could go berserk against Brighton, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. He's a class player, but he is coming back from having tested positive for, for coronavirus. And Brighton have, have been decent this season. I think I, I don't have the stats in front of me uh, right now because it, it wasn't one we prepared, Chris, but I think we've spoken before and, uh, on preview shows and looked at the stats for Brighton in terms of expected goals conceded. And they're kind of one of the better ones in the league. They're sort of sneaky, doing well defensively, although the results haven't quite been showing that. Um, so that the, the underlying stats there are a little bit better for Brighton and and look Salah can beat those their averages ultimately aren't they so Salah could still score goals against Brighton but I just think considering one of the options we're going to mention who has a significantly better chance of scoring I think um, it, it would it would seem to me that if you have the choice um, I would lean towards someone else. Okay, uh, let's move on then to I mean I think I think the guy that you're going to mention is the last one on our list so. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, let, let's wait and see. But but I guess the next next option we have Dominic Calvert Lewin versus Leeds. Um, Leeds, one of the more entertaining sides as far as I'm concerned this season, create a lot of chances but concede a lot of chances too. Um, again, real good potential for, for Dominic Calvert Lewin to have have a bit of a field day against Leeds. Um, you know, he was back to his best, albeit scoring two fairly scrappy goals. But you know, for him, it's it's all about the positions that he gets in. Um, for Everton in, in their last match uh, against against Fulham, so so yeah, I mean I can see I, I, I can see DCL having 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 a hell of a game uh, against Leeds potentially. I can see Leeds Everton actually being one of the most entertaining games of the weekend um, because I think I think you know Everton countering could 
or Leeds's uh, you know Leeds's dominance on the ball could be you know makes makes for a good game and 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 you know players like Richarlison getting in behind and uh, and and Hamas Rodriguez creating chances I feel like DCL could could really profit um but 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 what you know what do you think no, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, really. Yeah, um, Leeds and Leeds and Everton are both teams that create chances but allow chances defensively as well. So um, I think Leeds, uh, I, 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 I was saying about Brighton, I mean, I did just take a look there. Brighton are fifth, uh, have the fifth best expected goals conceded. So I, the fifth the best defensive record in by that measure in the league, um, which is why I would say, you know, not 100% sure on Salah, whereas Leeds are at the other end of that table. So that would perhaps suggest DCL might be a slightly better pick there. I think Leeds were fourth worst or something in terms of expected goals conceded this season. Um, they, yeah, they do. They do. Is We've said it before that it's interesting how there was such a lot of talk about how they'd had such a great, um, record in terms of not conceding many goal, goal opportunities over the last few years in the championship, but that hasn't seemed to sort of hold true in the Premier League. And obviously Everton, we know what DCL's done this season, the chances they've created and the number of goals he's scored. So he, he could well be um, a good shout there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, defensively for Leeds, I, I don't want to put it all down to one player, but but you know, not getting back, I think I think it's been been pretty key for them um but yeah it could be a really entertaining match and well, I, I feel like you're gonna slag me off here for 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 watching too much championship football no no, no i was just gonna say it's ironic because the player that you've just mentioned there is moved between the two teams we've just mentioned he is now playing for brighton who have got a good defensive record yeah 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 i think i, th- I think it, um yeah i mean yeah you know, i don't want to make it all about ben white but, but I, th- I do think leeds miss him and although they tried to try to replace him with with robin Koch, i don't think that's quite worked quite how um how Bielsa would have wanted. Um, let's uh, let's go. Let's move on to a Manchester United player who just cannot stop scoring at the moment. Um, so I guess he has to be, uh, you know, fairly reasonable captaincy pick for us this week. Uh, Bruno Fernandez um, probably got the most difficult matchup of these of these captains that we're going to pick. Um, so I guess that's perhaps why why we're tempering him, other than your usual Man United cynicism. Well, I would. Well, that's the thing. Even if even if Southampton weren't in good form, I'd be saying they are a bit of a bogey team. Have been a bit of a bogey team for United, and um, they're you know United aren't playing that well, particularly as it is anyway. Um, in general, in the league, um, and I think you know although Bruno did like we, like we said on the review show, he did have a big haul last week, but I didn't watching that United performance just confirmed what I thought about them. It didn't make me think any differently. So I wouldn't be necessarily convinced, although I was, I did much prefer the performance I saw from them in the first half, at least in the Champions League midweek. I don't necessarily trust um, Solskjaer to play Van der Beek and Cavani in the Premier League. And so that would make me worry about what the lineup's going to look like again and how United are going to play. And so I wouldn't necessarily trust it. And never mind the fact Southampton have been in very good form this season. They, you know, they were top of the league briefly at one point. They've looked good. And and the fact is it's an away game for United. It is, it is at St. Mary's. So this could be tricky. But I suppose the other side of that coin is, you know, maybe that's just a sign of how great Bruno is, that even if he's playing in a, not a great team, he's still managing to get returns and not just penalties, which is people, but goals from open play like those he scored in midweek. I mean, is there um, is there an argument, perhaps playing devil's advocate, and let's not go down too far down the Man United rabbit hole, but but you know whereby Southampton are good enough that they're going to be a team that comes onto United and perhaps helps 
helps United's game plan. United have played better against better teams, uh, sometimes scored scored more goals. They're not Southampton aren't necessarily going to sit back and defend, especially at home. Um, I think Bruno's record is better away from home, quite considerably, I think. Um, so, so does that play into Man United's hands a bit, and 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 does that help Bruno's case here? I mean, not that this helps Bruno necessarily, although it could do. But if I was Solskjaer, uh, this is getting more into the tactics of it, I suppose, here than the FPL side of things. But I would be playing... The thing that's kind of been picked out for Southampton this season is that at points, their defensive line can be a bit high. Now, Solskjaer and his backroom team will have looked at much more of the tape than I have. So he might well... This might not be the right thing to do. I haven't watched enough of Southampton's defence closely enough over the last few weeks. But if that's true, and that has continued from the start of the season, like people were talking about their defensive line being too high, Greenwood came back in, came off the bench um, in midweek. And I would love to see a two of Greenwood and Rashford, or if he goes for a three... I, don't, I mean, I've never obviously don't particularly trust Martial, so I don't know how he'd do that. But let's, I'd say, probably go for a two, play a three-five-two or three-four-three, and go and and have your two pacey strikers like Greenwood and Rashford up front there to kind of exploit that high Southampton line. So that would be maybe what you're saying a bit there. I would. That's more so about their defensive line than Southampton being so great that they'll come onto United loads and create loads of chances. I'm not so sure about that, but I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out tactically. And then let's move on then to to I guess the you know the the, the Thanksgiving turkey of our captaincy selections that the main event um, Jamie Vardy versus Fulham really really has an opportunity to have have a big party uh, this weekend. Yeah, well, ain't gonna see no nut roast here, that's for sure. It's um it's all about the turkey and, and our man Jamie Vardy in that metaphor. He's um yeah, look, I think as we as as we mentioned in the players on the radar thing with Vardy, obviously. It's just one of those where, to me, it seems like if he's in your team, when what is the point in having him in your team if you're not going to captain him this game week, right? He's scored, like I say, he's had more XG than anyone else in the league this season. He's at home. He doesn't play much in European games, and he doesn't hasn't doesn't play for England. So he basically only plays once a week. So he's fully rested. You know, at home against probably the worst defense in the league, who concede, you know, conceded three last week and looked shoddy, have looked rubbish defensively in many games this season. It's just like an absolute kind of screaming out captain Vardy, and and that it's it's more so how good Vardy looks as an option that make me question sort of Salah, particularly and Bruno a bit a bit more because I just think if you have the choice, I can see why you'd captain say Salah if you don't have any of these other options. Um, but with him coming back from coronavirus and everything, if you do have the choice between him and Vardy, what I just just it just seems like Fulham at home is 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 the one to um, attack. Yeah, just just as we're recording, uh, it looks like Leicester are, are, are losing in their in their Europa League match. But Vardy, as you say, didn't start. It has come on for the last half an hour, but um, but yeah, that, I think that's to be expected. He's going to be fairly fresh um, by the time Leicester play. So so yeah, and and I, th- I think. Yeah, as good as Vardy is, I think I think this this pick, this obvious pick, is uh, is is more about how how bad Fulham are, and and you know everyone that captain Dominic Calvert Lewin last week um have already, has already sort of reaped those rewards. Um, let's wrap up then with a little game we like to call "Who the heck is Stat?" Uh, for those that aren't aware that haven't been playing along at home while listening, um, this is a game where Andy and I take it in turns to pick an FPL player. They must be 
uh, owned by at least 5% of managers. And then we have five guesses to guess who it is. If you get it after the first guess, you get five points. After the second guess, you get four points. And uh, and and once you've once you've made the selection, and when you hear the next clue, you have the opportunity to stick or twist. That aids people playing along at home. So we don't reveal exactly who it is until the end. Um, I'm still leading 10-9. It's getting tight, uh, but this is uh, this is Andy picking for me. Um, so as soon as you're ready, Andy, I'll let you take it away. Got to say, I'm feeling nervous about this. Feeling nervous. I had a big lead. Not liking the fact that it's disappeared, and I'm feeling a bit nervous. Feel like um, feel like you're in my head. Well, I, I that's good for me to know because I haven't even done anything to try and get in your head. I'm just living there rent free. And if I did start trying to play some Sir Alex Ferguson mind games with you, who knows what could happen? So that's interesting to know. But I think, you know, don't 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 overthink it too much. It's still only a quarter of the way into the season. So we'll see how this goes. OK, don't, you're... don't overthink it. Captain Vardy. That's that's our main message this week. Exactly. Yeah. OK, so clue number one is this player's second season in FPL and at the current rate, they're on for a very similar score as last season. Great. Okay. Um, hmm. Hmm. Uh, so I, mean, I guess it could be a signing, um, but it could also be, I guess, a newly promoted player or a young player. Um, I can't think of many who who came up last year. Sheffield United, Norwich. I can't. I can't even think who the other uh, team would be. Villa. Wasn't it? Oh yeah, Villa. Yeah, Villa. Okay, I'm going to take on that logic. I'm going to take a Villa player, and I'm going to go with Jack Grealish. Uh, it wouldn't be his second FPL season, would it? Because he would have played before. Um, in that case, I'm not going to take, say him. Hope I hope, hope you don't have to take my first answer. No, Maybe that's fine. I'm, I'm happy hope, to. Uh, hope you're not going to be all all, all Anne Robinson about this. Um, I will take a Villa player. I will. Or will he be owned by five percent? Um. 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 talk us through your thinking, Chris. Even if he's oh, not. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was going. I was going to go for John McGinn, but will he be owned by five percent of the managers? Yeah. You know what? He might be. I'm going to go with John McGinn. Okay. So obviously, you you know, there's nothing to stick or twist. So we move on to clue two. Uh, clue two. Now I've picked these players uh, that I'm about to say because they're ones we've already used. So hopefully it's not it's, it's not giving too much away here. But uh, and just to sort of alert people that I'm not just giving freebies away about who it isn't because, like I say, these two players that I'm going to mention in this clue are players we've 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 had already in this game. So this this player that you're trying to guess has scored the same number of points this season so far as both Willian and Tarek Lamptey. Mm. Okay. I'm guessing that's like 27-ish points, 26-ish points. Um, and John McGinn would be about right, I think. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm going to stick. So th th so I was going to say that there's an interesting element to the stick or twist here, I think, isn't there? And I experienced this a bit last week in that, if you got a told a definite yes or no, then obviously you can make that decision about whether, you know, if you're going to guess a different player, obviously if you get told no, you're going to definitely guess a different player. And with stick or twist, um, you, there's definitely an advantage here for to, you, it makes, unless you can be, be sure it's not that player, 
you daft not to stick, aren't you? Because here, because you, you're risking giving away a point otherwise. So yeah, it's an interesting new dynamic. Another shout out yeah. to Tom McDermott. Thanks for because I think you've added something to our game here. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I mean, I, I I don't know what 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 McGinn's got. Twenty seven points. I know he's got some assists. Um, he started most of their games, so that's going to give him you know how many games they played. That's going to give him about sixteen points. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick. Okay, clue number three. No one from his team in his position has scored more points than him, but 32 from other teams have done. Okay, well, that rules John McGinn out because Grealish would have scored more points than him. Um, okay, cause, sorry, could you read that clue again for me? Yeah, sure. No one from his team in his position has scored more points than him, but 32 from other teams have done. So he has scored the most points in his position for his team, but 32 other players in his position, so, but he's the 33rd highest scoring player in his position. Essentially, yeah. Okay, that to me would rule out a striker, I'd like to think. Because I can't see there being... Yeah, I think I feel like that would rule out a striker, and I feel that it would also rule out a goalkeeper. He's scored... Mm. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I'm tempted to just go through each team, but that would make for a very bad podcast. Um, yeah, we have kind of trundled on about chickens at Christmas. A, I'm starting to wonder whether it's a Chelsea player. I can't see how many Chelsea midfielders would have scored loads of points. Oh, no, Jorginho's probably got quite a few, hasn't he, because he took penalties. Um, Everton, Everton midfielders, Hammers probably scored more points than that. Um, I don't want to go Fulham. Yeah, can't be United. Could it be City? You said he was on pace, didn't you, earlier? For on pace for very similar seasons last year, but it's his second FPL season. Um, uh, oh God, this is this is tricky. Um. Oh, okay. Okay, I've got an idea. I've got an idea. I'm going to go with... Oh, no. Yeah, I'm gonna... Okay, I'm going to go with Pablo Fernals. Okay. Okay, I can see why you would go for that, yeah. Um... Is it because it's right? Well... You, I'm assuming you're twisting for Pablo Fornals. Yeah, sorry, and... I'm, I'm, I'm twisting for Pablo Fornals. Yeah. We'll, we'll move on to the next clue. So... <clears throat> This player started the season owned by almost one in five managers, but despite having played in eight matches, has seen a negative net transfers out in all but one game week. Wow. That's quite a convoluted wording there, but hopefully you get what Okay, so he started, he he was in a fifth of teams. Almost. um, At the start of the season, Mm -hmm. but he has been transferred out more than he's been transferred in every week apart from one yeah and he okay um i feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of i've got a lot of data here Uh, it's his second fpl season and he has was someone that a fair few people obviously had at the start of the season but basically he's been continually transferred out since i mean that's tough isn't it and i put that thing in there about the it's not transferred out 
because he's been injured or something. It's yeah, because he's, he's played that playing... games. He's played that games, but he's he's the highest scoring player for his team at this at his position. Um, but oh yeah, okay, that's that is that is that is tough. That is tough. Um, guess it could be a defender. You, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, it could, could very legitimately be a defender. Ooh. Oh, no, that can't be right. Uh, oh, God, I feel like it could be so many players. Who did I? Who, I guess. Well, I guess the Fennell question is, like, would you like to stick or twist on I'd, Pablo well, I'd like Fennell? To, I'd like to twist because I don't feel like he would have been in a fifth of teams at the start of the season. Um, someone like Suchek would have been, but I don't feel like he's the highest scoring player at his position. Um, hmm. Oh, okay. I've just had it. No, that wouldn't be his second season. Uh, uh, oh, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to twist on someone, aren't I? Um, 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 maybe it is a Sheffield United player. They haven't scored many points, though. That's like, could be, it could be one of their defenders. I can't think who is fit for them. I don't know. I really don't know. Mm. Which well, isn't helpful for the game. I appreciate. Um, it's hard when you're in that position. I can I can empathise with you yeah. and I understand how it feels. But we're gonna need gonna need something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Okay, let's let's let's. For some reason, I'm still going back to. Aston Villa. I don't really know why. No, that can't. It can't be Esri Conda because he's not the thirty-second or thirty-third most got third most points out of all defenders. Is this? I'm going to kick myself when I get this guy, aren't I? Um, well, I guess. Player? I guess. I guess maybe what we could introduce to keep this moving a bit is if you can't think of someone you would twist to, we you just stick. I'll have to stick. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'll just stick. I'll just stick. It's not. It's not him. But I'll stick. So you're sticking on four nails. Yeah. Okay. So final clue, and maybe I'll have to think of some extra things to say. I'm not sure you'll get it from myself, but I hope so. Let's see. Um, your final clue. I'm sure his manager would like him to be as prolific on the pitch as he is on Twitter. Because he has just one goal and one assist so far this season. Although, that does put him at joint second in both categories for his team. One goal, one assist. Joint second for his team. But, tweets a lot? I mean... Who on earth could that be? Not just a lot, but also, you know, often makes... uh, makes headlines with 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 what he says or at least sporting football uh headlines with what how he tweets and what he says really oh god i didn't i can't think i can't think of any any player like that i have to say um maybe i'm just very out of out of the loop uh so think of think of a team or what at least what type of team it would have to be if your second highest goal scorer and assist giver is on one yeah, quite quite poor, I would assume. 
or yeah. at least one that doesn't score many. If uh, could it be, could it be a Burnley player? Maybe. Can't think any of any Burnley player that gets gets in the headlines. Oh, terror! This is this is such a such a bad segment, isn't it? I'm just making this worse and worse. <laughs> um. Oh God. Okay. It, yeah, I'm, I feel like it could be a Burnley player. I can't think of any Burnley player that has played two FPL seasons. I know they haven't scored many goals. I definitely can't think of any that tweet, but then why would I follow any Burnley players? Um, for, the, for the sake of, of trying to be a little bit more helpful, though, although you you got a, a stonking lead on me, you know, I will try and be a bit, this is almost like you're going to get a sick clue here. But yeah, go on. Try and um, point you a bit more towards. So um, he plays for a team that is supported by someone we both know and hate. Okay, right. Oh, okay, right. Um, five percent of sorry, five percent of managers own a, own a Newcastle United player. That is a stat in itself, isn't it? Um, who on earth tweets a lot with them? I can I think of like John Joe Shelby is a bit of an idiot, I suppose, <laughs> but he's played more than two FPL seasons. Well, let, let's hope he doesn't um, listen to the FPL lounge. I mean, it'll, it'll be it'll be coming for me. Um, uh, um, and, uh, okay, all right. Uh, let's go with Alan St. Maximan just because he. I would like to think he scored this year. He would have been in a lot of teams at the start of the season. Um, he was in mine. I know that much. He, I think it's yeah, I think it's the second season. He probably has scored once, assisted once. Is he? Is, are you saying he's famous because he's uh because he he's, he's recruited that that brickie from his place in France? Yeah, okay, I'm going with him. We're going with ASM. So don't say I don't ever do anything to you for you to you for you. Definitely do things to you, but don't say I don't do anything for you because I've basically given you one on a plate there. That's a free point you've had. So if you beat me by a point at the end of the season, I'm going to be gutted about that. Stuart's inquiry. Uh, yes, it was. It was Alan Saint Maximan. Yes. Fair play. Fair play. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it does all make sense now, um, but yeah, the Twitter thing threw me big, big time, big time. Okay. Well, there we go. And congratulations more so than to you, Chris. Go to our listeners. Any listener who's made it this far, listening to all that silence of you thinking, and then just for the anticlimax of me giving you a free point away at the end, I just felt bad, really, because you got a zero last time you did this and you felt a bit nervous, but um, I shouldn't do because you did get a big fat five earlier in the season as well. So you're still beating me. Yeah, I don't think any... Uh, I could do all the research in, in, in the world. I don't think I would have got that, but... But yeah, no good clues, good interesting interesting clues. But but yeah, just not a guy that's um, not a guy that's that, that's really in 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 my thinking. So so yeah, tough one. Anyway, I guess we better wrap up before this podcast goes on um, for another hour. And uh, yeah, I've got turkey to eat. So so yeah, we, you know, we don't need, need to debate that again. Um, but anyway, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Andy, if they want, if people. They, if if li- our, our lovely loyal listeners want to get in touch with us over the weekend, talking all things FPL and Premier League, how can they do so? 
Well, they can get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram, Chris, at FPL underscore lounge. As you always say, don't forget that pesky underscore. And actually, we did, um, we've been doing a few polls and things recently on Twitter, particularly that have, that have had quite a bit of, um, you know, good engagement. So, that, so that'll be, that'd be good. We'll, I guess we'll do another one of those before um, or around this game week sometime. I mean, last week, people picked uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin overwhelmingly as the person they thought was going to be most likely to score last game week and that did come true so congratulations to uh, FPL Lounge listeners who voted in that poll because you were proved right yeah I mean our new poll should be chicken on Christmas day wrong or wrong well you know as someone who writes polling questions for a living Chris I wouldn't expect any less than that as, a, as one from you Okay. And as someone who used to have to edit polling questions you'd written, I, that again makes sense. Wrong, wrong, or don't know. That's better. Um, yeah. Anyway, and 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 obviously, wherever you do get your podcast from, do remember to uh, rate, review, subscribe, and share us with all of your FPL playing friends. Um, you know, we are doing this for, for for our own fun, but we hope that you are enjoying it as well. Um, Lots of Premier League football to get stuck into this weekend. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I know Andy is too. But Andy, then until until we meet again on Tuesday. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.